Hi there. Uh, for those of you who I have not met yet, uh, my name is Garrett. I serve as the director of local missions here at Nova. And yeah, it's good to be with you today. I'd love to meet you, by the way, if I haven't met you uh, out on the plaza after the worship service. Uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. Uh, the first half of that chapter is going to be our scripture text for today. So Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish. It was another miracle. And at this point, the disciples had seen Jesus perform a bunch of different miracles. Still amazing, though. God once again met a human need. Now, after the crowd of 5,000 people had dispersed, Jesus kind of felt like he needed some time to himself, to be alone with the Father in prayer. And if you look throughout the Gospels, this is actually a pretty common practice of Jesus. Now, they were all on the shores of the Sea of Galilee at this point. So Jesus told the disciples, why don't you go on, get in the boat, go on and start off without me. And so the disciples did just that. They gathered their belongings, they loaded them into what was most likely a fishing boat, and they set out. And meanwhile, Jesus went up on the nearby mountainside and spent an extended amount of time in solitude and time with the Father. Now, Jesus was up there for quite a bit of time, so much so that it had became the middle of the night, and so much so that the disciples had drifted quite a considerable distance off of the shore. But also a heavy wind picked up. And so there were some considerable waves just battering the disciples' boat, all without Jesus with them. Um, so fishing boats at this point in time, like in ancient Israel, uh, just so you guys know, they were fairly shallow boats, like the sides didn't go up very high, and this was so that um, fishermen could easily toss their giant nets over the side of the boat and then very easily pull them back in. But that also meant that if waves, uh, well, waves didn't have to be that big before they became treacherous. And so needless to say, the disciples were probably having a very rough night. And so Jesus saw their boat off in the distance, and decided to join up with them. Now, at this point, it became dawn, which meant that the disciples had probably been fighting the wind and the waves all night. Now, could you imagine that? Trying to keep your boat afloat all night, trying to keep it from capsizing, probably just bailing water continuously out of your boat. Needless to say, um, they were probably drenched and exhausted. And then all of the sudden, they see this figure walking out towards them, walking on top of the water. And at first they thought it was a ghost, and maybe it was because, you know, the wind, the waves, the mist was, was considerable, that they couldn't make out that it was Jesus I'm not sure. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But Jesus reassured them and said that it was he. They don't have to be afraid. And then Peter does something rather curious. I mean, it is rather bold, rather 
brash Peter. And so it falls in line with his character, but he says, If it is you, tell me to come and walk on the water. And Jesus simply replies by saying, Come. And so Peter gets out of the boat and actually begins to walk on the water towards Jesus. Another miracle. But, after Peter takes a couple of steps towards Jesus, he begins to survey what's around him. He takes notice of the wind and the waves. And because he is focused on these things, he becomes afraid. And when he becomes afraid, he begins to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed Peter's. And he pulled them both into the boat. And when they were both into the boat, Jesus asked Peter, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And at that moment, the wind and the waves, they immediately died down. You see, fear can be a powerful thing, right? It has this ability to consume us to the point where the only thing that we can focus on is what we are afraid of. So much so that we even forget about the power and sovereignty of God. We can be walking on the water one moment, just fully assured of his goodness, of his sovereignty, but then we get distracted by something that scares us. We begin to focus on those things instead, and when we do, we begin to sink. Or, we can focus our attention on God, and that truly makes all the difference. Um, So I told you all to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, and then immediately told you a story out of the Gospel of Matthew. (laughs) But as I'm sure you will notice, uh, there are a lot of parallels between our passage in Exodus and the story that I just told. Uh, We are actually in the middle of a sermon series on the book of Exodus, and this is the story of God delivering his people miraculously out of slavery in Egypt, sustaining them in the wilderness for 40 years, and then promising to deliver them into a land that they can call home and grow into a great nation. And that last part actually takes place in the book of Joshua. It's a hugely, hugely foundational story uh, for understanding the character of God that he restores brokenness, that he frees from captivity, and that he is steadfastly present and active among his people. And today, uh, we're going to be picking up in the book of Exodus in chapter 4. And so our specific passage is actually right in the middle of the story of God appearing to Moses as a burning bush. And not only did God like, verbally speak to Moses through a bush, but it was a bush that was on fire, but was not burning up. And God speaks to Moses, calling him to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. And ultimately, it is God who is, that's the one that frees them, but he calls Moses to partner with him in this way. And then last week, uh, Pastor Adam preached on, obviously, Exodus chapter 3, and God also tells Moses uh, what is Name is what we refer to, or what we say as Yahweh, that it means I am, I am with you. If you did not listen to last week's sermon, I highly encourage you to do so. It's on Nova's YouTube page. 
But anyways, this is where our story picks up today. God had just called Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 17 of Exodus 4 together. So would you please follow along with me? Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now, put it back into your cloak, he said. Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will give you, or I will help you speak, and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand, so you can perform the signs with it. And this is God's word for us today. Fear can be a powerful thing. Now, nowhere in our passage does it explicitly say that Moses is afraid to go back to Egypt, but I think it's pretty fair to assume that this was the case. I mean, God was, in fact, telling him to return to Egypt which was the greatest empire that the world had ever known at that point in time in history. And to stand up to its leader, Pharaoh, tell him that God is going to take his people back from slavery under Pharaoh's command. And my guess, and I think it's a pretty fair one, is that Moses pushed back on God so much because he was afraid. I do want to clarify something up top before I get too deep into this. Uh, The feeling of fear in and of itself is not wrong. It's not a bad emotion. It's actually a very natural emotion. Um, 
And we have really, really strong scriptural precedence that this is the case. Uh, In the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, right before Jesus is about to be arrested, tortured, and killed, it tells us that his soul was actually in anguish to the point of death, and he began to sweat droplets of blood because he was so afraid. Fear is a natural emotion sometimes. However, the difference between Jesus and Moses is that while Jesus was afraid, he did not give into his fear. He trusted the Father. You see, I think fear, when it's at its worst, when it actually begins to control us, it can do three things. It's not limited to these three things, but these are the three that I'm naming. One, it makes us forget about the power and sovereignty of God. Two, it makes us forget about how God has provided for us in the past. And three, it makes us forget about God's promises. So this story in Exodus, it's an interesting one, right? Like, uh, doesn't, doesn't Moses kind of come off as wimpy? Like, kind of? Like, let me put it this way. God was audibly speaking to Moses, and that in and of itself is pretty in- extraordinary. But he does so by speaking to him through a bush that is on fire and is not burning up. Miracle number one. But Moses pushes back and says, well, what if nobody believes me that you you know, were talking to me, that you called me to do this. Okay. God hears him, and God is patient with him. He gives him another sign. He tells Moses to throw his staff on the ground, and when he does so, it turns into a snake. And then when Moses grabs the snake, it turns back into his staff. Miracle number two. Not only that, but then God tells Moses to put his hand inside his cloak And then when he takes it out, his hand becomes white and leprous. Miracle number three. Then God gives one more sign to Moses. He tells Moses, if they don't believe the first two, take some water from the Nile, pour it onto some dry ground, and when it it gets poured onto dry ground, it's going to turn into blood. Miracle number four. Now, four supernatural signs like literally right in front of his face, should be, should be sufficient to convince Moses to trust God, right? One would at least think so. No, Moses again pushes back on God. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I don't know about you, but to me, it sounds like Moses is kind of grasping at straws there. Like literally in front of his face, a bush that was on fire turned his staff into a snake, his hand leprous, and then promised to turn water into blood. And then his response is, yeah, but I don't speak too good. And God basically responds by saying, Who gave you the ability to speak in the first place? I'm going to give you the words to say. And then in one last-ditch effort, we kind of get to the crux of it. Moses again pushes back on God and says, 
Let's just send somebody else, please. Now, at this point, it says that the Lord's anger burned against Moses. In other words, he was frustrated. (laughs) And God basically says, fine. If you really need more help, you can take your brother Aaron. I will give you the words to say. You relay them. You relay them to Aaron, and he will do the talking for you. And at this point, Moses relents. You would think that four miracles performed in rapid succession right in front of him would be sufficient to convince Moses to have faith, but no. Like Moses literally has the presence, power, sovereignty, and promise that God will be with him, like right in front of him. But he still focuses on his fear instead. But in the same way, we can go back to our story with Peter walking on the water. Now, Peter and the disciples had been following Jesus for a bit of time at this point. And like I said, they had seen him perform a lot of miracles already. Miracles like healing a whole bunch of people from their illnesses, calming a storm, casting demons out of people, raising someone from the dead, healing someone who was blind and mute from birth, and right before this, he feeds the 5,000. And these are just the miracles according to the Gospel of Matthew at this point. Instead of remembering the power and sovereignty of God, Peter instead focused on the wind and the waves. Um, I think it can be pretty easy to look at Moses or the disciples and criticize them for having a lack of faith, even though they had so many examples and reasons to have faith. But if we're honest with ourselves, don't we kind of do the same thing a lot of the time? We may not have witnessed people coming back from the dead. We may not have witnessed a staff turning into a snake. But we all have times, countless times if we're honest, in our life when it is clear that God was at work and proved himself to be trustworthy. But how many of us are quick to forget these times when there's something new to be afraid of? Like, it's like we're almost, we almost kind of are like, God, thank you for helping me with that one thing that I was afraid of earlier. And yeah, I, looking back on it, it was silly to even be afraid of it. But this new thing, this new thing, this requires a lot of attention. This is real. And I'll be honest with you, um, this is something that I struggle with quite a bit, fear. In fact, it may be probably the biggest thing in my life that I struggle with. There's a whole lot in our world that we can potentially be afraid of, right? I'm sure by me just saying that, something popped up in your mind, yeah? So, what are you afraid of? I mentioned earlier that fear in and of itself is a natural emotion. 
But what fear often does is it demands that we pay attention to it. A lot of attention. And that's where it oftentimes goes sideways. And I think we often get deceived into thinking that we need to be thinking about what we are afraid of constantly. Like maybe we even think that we're prepping or planning for it in in some sort of way. Like, um, have you guys ever had to have like a really tough conversation with somebody and you know that conversation is coming and so in your head you plan for how that conversation is going to go and I'm going to say this but when I say this they're going to reply with this and so I'm going to say this back to them and you have this whole conversation in your mind about how it goes and then you actually have the conversation and it's nothing like you plan for Now, I'm not saying that prepping or planning like as a concept is a bad thing. Not at all. But I think there's a point for a lot of us where planning turns into obsessive worrying. Um, I heard a really great, a really great quote uh, many years ago that I think kind of just rings true in this way. I don't really know who said it. I can never find it. Uh, but essentially, it goes, worrying does you no good. Either it makes you suffer through something that's never going to happen, or it just makes you suffer through something twice. It's true. And scripturally, it basically, scripture basically says the same thing. Luke uh, 12, 22 through 34 is a really, really great passage of scripture that speaks so poignantly to the uselessness of, of worrying. For time's sake, I'm not going to read it for us, um, but I'll say, the, I'll say the passage again because I think it's a really good one just to have on hand. It's a really comforting passage of Scripture. It's Luke 12, 22 through 34. But yeah, fear demands our attention, and we often get sucked into it. We oftentimes think that we're doing the quote-unquote correct thing, by focusing on what we are afraid of. But if we're honest with ourselves, this just creates more fear and it kind of just spirals and spirals in on itself. And if anything, when we do this, we're also just relying on our own abilities to deal with fear. But God tells us there's another way, a better way. I mentioned already that fear oftentimes does three things. One, it makes us forget about the power and sovereignty of God. Two, it makes us forget about how God has provided for us in the past. And three, it makes us forget about God's promises. But these are the exact things that we need to be remembering when we encounter fear. We need to remember God's sovereignty and power. Sovereignty, by the way, is a big word that just basically means that God is over and above any and everything. Like in our passage today, God reminds Moses of his power and sovereignty by performing four different supernatural acts right in front of him. But when Moses objects because he doesn't think he speaks very well, God reminds him 
Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And there are a litany of other passages of Scripture that highlight the power and sovereignty of God. By the way, if you don't have your sermon notes open right now, I'm going to be listing a whole bunch of different passages of Scripture. If you would like to follow along, they're all in your sermon notes. Genesis 1.1, this is literally the very first words of the Bible. The very first words of the Bible highlight God's power and sovereignty. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From eternity in the past to eternity in the future, God exists and is all-powerful. Our minds can't even comprehend what that means. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God is literally over all things, even that thing that you're afraid of. And then there's the ending of the book of Job. Uh, chapters 38 through 40. Um, I'm obviously not going to read that one. That's three whole chapters of Scripture. Uh, But once again, I put, put that passage in your sermon notes. Check it out. God is all powerful over all things. And I know that this is Christianity 101. Like, that's kind of one of the most basic things, but we kind of need to be reminded of it, right? But it's not only this. God loves us immensely, like more than we ever could know. And if we are honest with ourselves, we all have evidence of his love and provision in our lives. Uh, So I actually started a, a practice towards these ends a little bit ago um, on my phone in the notes app. I just started listing all the different ways that I've seen God provide for me or for my family. Um, Because I don't know, I'm dumb and I need to be reminded of these things constantly. Like I can't remember them. Um, And every time that I just either encounter a time where it's clear that God has provided for me, I just put it on the list. Or I remember a time. And it could be a time that I encountered fear and God provided for me or just any way. But I think this can be actually a really good practice for all of us, like, honestly. Who wouldn't want to remember and constantly reflect on all the ways that God has provided us with uh, or how he has blessed us? Like, who wouldn't want to be reminded of that all the time? And if you're like me, sometimes you kind of need to be reminded of those things, especially when you encounter fear. Because like I said, fear makes you forget these things a lot of the time. But we also have many passages of Scripture that reflect this reality as well. Psalm 23 is an amazing 
psalm that kind of speaks to God's provision. I'm just going to read two verses from it, verse 1 and verse 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We also have Luke 24, or Luke 12, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not reap or sow. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. We need to remember God's power and sovereignty, and we also need to remember how God has already provided for us. And finally, there are many, many promises that God gives throughout Scripture. Like to Moses in chapter 3. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. We also have a very famous passage of Scripture, John three sixteen through 17 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Revelation 21.5 He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And these are just a few of the promises that God gives us throughout Scripture. There are many, many others, and maybe you have a passage of Scripture that's a promise from God that just kind of speaks to you in an especially helpful way. I encourage you, add that to this list that I've started. Fear desperately, desperately wants you to pay attention to it to forget about God, to only focus on what you are afraid of. And friends, we do have a choice. We can do just that. And if we do, we will sink. Or we can choose to turn our gaze, our focus on to God, remembering that he is all-powerful, how he has already provided for us, and his many, many promises. And when we do so, our fear will begin to shrink more and more, day after day. Because if this truly is who God is, what do we have to be afraid of? I do want to make a very quick note as we wrap up today. Um, Mental illnesses are a real thing. Um... You know, the brain is an organ just like any other organ in our body, and sometimes it gets sick. 
just like every other organ in our bodies. Anxiety disorders are a reality, and if you feel like, hey, the, the anxiety I am feeling is constant, or it's just really extreme, and there just feels like there's nothing you can do about it, seek some help, somebody to talk to. Nothing wrong with going to therapy. I have gone to therapy countless times in my life. Also, if this is you where the anxiety or fear just feels like it's out of control, that does not mean that you are a bad follower of Jesus. I want you to just put that out of your minds right now. Like I said, the brain can get sick just like any other organ in our bodies. But, but, in the end, no matter if this is us or not, it does not change the fact, and it is a fact, that ultimately we don't have anything to fear. Fix your gaze on God from not the wind and the waves. Let's pray.